Hi, guys. It's Stephanie Hoffman here. Um, this is Head Case Podcast. This is the first episode. I'm here with my friend Jack Leary. Hey. He's my executive producer and good friend. And we are going to talk about this podcast and introduce myself and how I got this idea and sort of to tell the audience what my plan is moving forward. So I had an accident last year where I fell on my chin and got a really bad concussion. And I noticed that I started suffering from really bad anxiety and depression and all of these things kind of unraveled in my world. And I wasn't really able to even leave the house. I was crying all the time and had just the worst experience. And I noticed that in talking about having anxiety, I had a lot of friends who agreed that they also had these similar problems. And I sort of just, I never really talked about it with people before. And I started seeing a therapist, actually two therapists, and I just found it to be so helpful. And I noticed no one was really talking about what was going on. And at the time, weirdly, there was like a lot of celebrity suicides going on. So I just thought about, you know, just I was like, how can I help do something about this? Because I tend to be the one that a lot of my friends go to when they're going through something, especially when it comes to anxiety and just growing up in this like social media driven world and all of that stuff. People are really anxious and and constantly comparing themselves to each other and like what they're doing wrong and how behind they are and everything like that. So I thought of it as a way to to reach the people and talk about things that other people don't talk about. And basically my goal with this whole thing is to end the stigma on getting help for your mental health issues as well as just like not every – Every mental health issue means that you're crazy. Like, no, first of all, I don't even like using that word because I think it's really negative. The C word. The C word. The other C word. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just think that there's like such a lack of education on mental health that we just blame, we put blame on other people for our actions, like with the all the school shootings and all of these things going on. But really, like, the person who's doing these things has really bad mental health issues and is crying out for help, essentially. And it's just showing that they're not getting the help that they need. And whether it be in public schools, private schools, colleges, like, there's just not enough hands-on help. And... um. Yeah, so I wanted to start bringing people on to talk about what their issues are and no matter what field they're in. And I've had so many people reach out to me about how they're so excited for this to come out because they constantly feel, like, anxious or they've been depressed for, for years and have had no one really to talk to about it, especially in, like, such a unique way. So, yeah, I'm really excited. And I know you've had your fair share of anxiety before. Yeah. I mean, I I would say for the majority of my life, I considered myself anxiety-free. 
mm-hmm. but I didn't really understand what anxiety was or yeah. what it meant. Um, and then within the last two years, two and a half years, after going into therapy and really analyzing myself and my mental health yeah. <laughs> and realizing that like it's not – I did have a stigma against like therapy and like I had this idea that I was perfect and I didn't need any help. Yeah. But like I think talking about it as mental health and not mental illness – like right. I always thought I'm like I'm not mentally ill. Like, I right, right. But really what it is is like mental health is just the same as like physical health and like – Everybody goes is going through something. Every single person yeah. has anxiety to a certain extent and it's just about how people deal with it and handle it or are even aware of it. Right. There's so many different levels of anxiety. I've been doing so much research on it and there were just – there were so many categories of the and like ways that your anxiety shows itself yeah. that – shocked me like some people physically feel anxious and they like throw up and then some people just you know can't speak or this and that and I I agree with you that it's like it doesn't mean you're mentally ill necessarily to get mental help it's it's definitely seen as like oh this person has problems but everyone needs someone to talk to and everyone's got problems everyone's got problems it might not be like schizophrenia or bipolar which is what i would categorize as like mental illness right and and there's nothing wrong with that if if you have that people are hopefully getting the right help but it doesn't mean you have to be kind of put into a box being labeled as one of those things exactly um no everyone thinks they like they can do things there on their own. Like yeah. I don't need a therapist. I can work it out myself. Well, that was me. That's yeah, and um, it's just it shows that talking to someone, even when the other person doesn't even really talk back, is just really helpful. Just being able, yeah, just being able to have someone who's completely just bouncing off what you're talking about, like, and doesn't judge. Right. Like, that's totally what I love. Is, like, it's a it's a safe space to just like not worry about what the person's going to think or how your friends are going to feel about what you're talking or your family or whoever you're talking about or you're like it just it's so refreshing to be able to have someone to talk to on a weekly basis and that's really what exactly I found was like I had a place where I could talk about the things that were really bothering me or affecting me right and I always think that people who don't who say they don't need therapy probably the need it the most need it. Yeah. <laughs> well um, that's the thing for me is like <laughs> I don't want to say I get frustrated but like you know, it's been two and a half years in therapy and like now I find myself getting frustrated when my friends are using me as their therapist because I'm like, you could you should be seeing someone. And I don't right. Person. Right. <laughs> That's so true. It's just like I'm not a, I'm not a health professional yeah, because yeah. I seek help. Yeah. And I feel like I see everyone around me, like people who aren't in therapy. I'm like, you should be in therapy. And it's yeah. easier said than done. And obviously with healthcare and everything. Right. Um, it's so expensive, which is a huge which part is a of it. Issue. It should be everybody yeah. should be able to see a therapist without having to deal with. I mean, after my concussion, I like the only really option I could seek was therapy. And they gave me they they recommended me to my therapist who I have now who I love so much. But then I had luckily insurance covered this other therapist I had who's more like a life coach. And I loved her, too. It's like very it was an interesting dynamic. She like kind of held me accountable for things that. You know, your therapist doesn't judge you. She didn't judge me necessarily, but she was very much kind of like, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure about this? And that kind of makes me look at things differently. So it was helpful for sure. Well, for me too, creatively, not just creatively, I was in like – I was basically stuck. I was at a point in my life where I I was in a long-term relationship. I was like kind of doing the same job over and over again. 
And I just felt like I wasn't moving forward at all. Right. And actually the way that I got into therapy is actually this weird convoluted thing. But basically um, my ex-girlfriend who I was living with, who I was with for eight years, uh, she was ready to get married and I wasn't quite there yet. And she kept over like the course of like a year and a half, kept pushing me, kept pushing me. And what I ended up finding out was that um, basically long story short is I went home one weekend and my parents sat me down and they were like, listen, we're really concerned about you. Uh, we heard that you're depressed and that you don't know what you want to do and all this stuff. And I was like, what are you guys talking about? Like, I'm fine. Like, you guys are freaking me out. If you guys are concerned, then you're making me concerned. But like, I don't consider myself to be like a depressed person. Anyway, they were like, we think you should see a therapist. My entire family is in therapy. My mom, my dad, my sister. Yeah. And I was like, therapist? Like, I don't need to see a therapist. What are you talking about? And I was really defensive at first. And they were really concerned. So I was like, you know what? If you guys are this concerned, like, I'll go. Yeah. And so my mom gave me a recommendation through her therapist. And I went. And at first, I was really closed off. And then within like a month, I started to get more open to it. And then I found it really <laughs> valuable in having a place. I was living with my ex at the time, too. So right. I didn't really have a place to get out of that bubble and talk about what right. I was going through in the relationship, the pressure I was feeling. I never really expressed that, not even with my parents, because I, I kind of just put it up like everything was fine. And you don't really notice it sometimes when you feel this pressure. No. I mean, I felt the same thing in relationships or or things in your career yeah. or things that you think you're supposed to be doing just yeah. because everyone else expects that of you. And then when you go into therapy and then you start talking about it and the therapist sort of is like, well, oh my God, you poor thing. And you're yeah. like, oh, <laughs> I'm not crazy. Like I totally had a validation for feeling this way. Totally. Um, so yeah, so then after being in therapy, it, it gave me the space to realize I didn't want to be stuck the way I was. And it actually gave me a voice in the relationship and I started speaking up. And then as things started to fall apart with the relationship, it actually freed me up to do the things I wanted to do. And what I found out eventually was that the reason why my parents sat me down was because my ex reached out behind my back to my mom oh, and wow. said, kind of as like a last minute manipulative move to make the marriage happen or whatever she thought was going to happen. She was like, Jack's depressed. He doesn't seem to know what he wants. And she was alluding to the marriage thing. So anyway, it ended up being the best thing, but the worst thing for her, right. <laughs> the best thing for me. And it's super shady to do, oh, but yeah, also yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah. I didn't find out until like months later that that was the case. So. Right. But anyway, it ended up being the best thing. And it totally freed me up. And like once I got out of that and got out of the relationship, now I use therapy as a place for, for, for me. Like right. It became so much about the relationship for so long. And then once that kind of dissolved and I was able to just focus on me, it was such a liberating thing because creatively and just – Right. You're doing it for you, not yeah. because someone else wants you to be exactly. there or because you think you have to. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. It's like the best thing to be able to freely talk about what you need to talk about without having – someone wondering what you're talking to your therapist about either every day. Well, that that was the thing, too. She was, like, after every session, she'd be like, so what do you talk about? She was, she was like, waiting for the <laughs> right. table. Right, it's like, like the point of therapy is exactly. to be secret yeah. <laughs> between you and your therapist. Yeah. It's so funny. But, yeah, I don't know. So I, I also realized in having my concussion that 
I mean, it was kind of a really long process. Like there were so many different aspects to why I started to kind of unravel, I would say, aside from, you know, I was in so many different therapies. Like I, I misaligned my neck. I like my eyes got misaligned. It was just crazy. So I thought everything was going to be fine in the very beginning. And then sort of I woke up one day and my memory was really out of whack. I had kind of felt like the last three years that I had been living in New York were a complete waste of time and just totally didn't even like recognize where I was in my life. And I realized in going to therapy and all of these things that I sort of had like high functioning anxiety, I would say, prior to this. And I would suppress it a lot. And like it turns into like, you know, being depressed and kind of wondering what the hell you're doing with your life and all of these things. But I also had um, like an undiagnosed OCD. So I would, but instead of having it translate to, you know, being overly organized or this and that, it was sort of like picking on myself and like picking apart myself and that kind of thing. So it got to such a point that I was like crying every day. My mom would have to take me to the movies, just like get me out of the house. And then we decided to actually do something about it. And my doctor put me on medication. And at first I was like very anti antidepressants. I was like, I stopped taking them at one point and I was like, I don't need to be reliant on medicine. And while I like the whole idea of holistic medicines and healing naturally, and I'm a huge proponent of CBD and all of that, I think they kind of, they kind of gave me a new perspective on it saying like, listen, you, you hit your head and it's like a bandaid. This medicine is essentially a bandaid that you need to heal what, has been broken in order to like build it back up again and it's not like you can't function without it for the rest of your life but this is what you need now but even if I did need it for the rest of my life I think I had sort of been judgmental about the whole medication thing for a while and now especially like being able to take taking like Xanax and this and that for panic attacks and whatever I mean you know people abuse Xanax so much in our, our day and age. <laughs> it's interesting because I probably around the age of 10, I want to say, I remember taking like a ADD test and it was probably something that at the time I think a lot of kids were doing. Parents were really yeah. – like ADD was kind of a new thing even though like everybody – I feel like everybody has some form of ADD. Totally. And especially now with – Phones and the screens are just yeah, yeah. Uh, crazy. But screenagers, yeah, screenagers. <laughs> but at the time, I remember taking a test and being diagnosed with ADD, and my mom gave me a choice. Basically, the the person, the doctor, whoever it was who administered the test, recommended that I start medication at like a young age. And I remember my mom gave me the choice. She never made me, which I really appreciate. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think I I need that. I don't think yeah. I I think. I, I pay attention to the things that I'm interested in and I don't to the things I'm not interested in. Yeah. And that was true all through high school. Um, but I really appreciate that she gave me the choice. At the same time, I, know, I have friends who have been taking Vyvanse, uh, other ADD medications since they were that age. Right. And they still take it now. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that they're, they're able to do that. And if, if they have a, 
a higher level of ADD than me, and I'm sure it helps them. But I also think about how does it make them feel to know that they've been on that their almost their entire life? Totally. And, and what does that mean for how they does it numb them in a way? Like, are they used to just being so numb to yeah, or like taking that medication? What happens when they get it. off of it? Yeah, I don't know. I just think about that. Like, I think about how the fact that I could have taken this medication through my life and where I, I would be now and how I would feel about that. Yeah, you know? I mean, I've been so I'm also in the same. I I have like ADHD mm-hmm. and have had it. I was also took a test when I was younger. I think I started medication when I was in high school, but. I haven't always taken it. Like I, I switched medications around a lot and uh, I kind of stopped taking it randomly while after college, I guess, because I wasn't really – I didn't really need it in the way that I did for studying and all of that. So I sort of just like weaned myself off of it. And then, I mean, I definitely – like you notice a difference in some cases, but I think it's cool that you can – be self-aware enough in order to like figure out exactly what you need in order to be focused on something. And I, I'm kind of the same way. Like if I'm not interested in it, I'm not interested. Yeah. No medicine, amount of medicine is going to change that, but it's definitely like an interesting thing to see how, when I went off of it, how much your level of energy goes down a little bit at first, but then there are other ways that you can re-energize yourself. And I found a lot through like working out that helped me. Yeah. Working out is a huge, just staying active. Yeah. Working out is a huge anxiety reliever. Yeah. Did you ever feel dependency on, on any of the medications you were I mean, taking? for sure. Yeah. I like, I still get prescribed and I'm, I'm definitely, I take it every once in a while. I just try not to take it every day anymore. Like it's not, I don't, I don't see it as like something I I definitely need. Like I think I if like all of the medicine ran out tomorrow, I think I'd be fine. But uh, it's more. I actually found. I actually had to switch medications during my concussion because I found that when I was taking Vyvanse, I was prescribed Vyvanse and Adderall, and I found what while I was taking it, I had more anxiety. And it was, like, making me much more jittery, much more overly obsessive. and So it was actually heightening. Yeah, totally. And they gave me a new medicine that sort of was – they found didn't have as many symptoms of anxiety. And I found that it it worked pretty well. It didn't didn't give me any, like – you know, where you start – you're really chatty and then you're, like, really weird and self-conscious sometimes. And you just overly think things and – yeah, I found that it was it was doing what it should be doing rather than kind of unraveling my brain. But I did I did notice that in college when I first went on medicine, like a different medicine, my therapist had given me an antidepressant in order to, she says, bridge the gap between your emotions in what one medicine's doing between the other. And after I had also made myself stop taking that because I was like, okay, I have ADHD. I don't have depression. But if my ADHD medicine is giving me depression, then, like, there's something that needs to change here because it's one thing when you are diagnosed as depressed or have any mental illness that's just just happens to be there 
no matter what, but it's another thing when it's like a medicine is causing that or it's a side effect of something that yeah. you're already taking. I mean, the side effects are crazy now. Yeah. Like it's, when you see the commercials and they're like, may cause death. Right. And suicidal <laughs> like the thoughts. And you're like, why like, would I? <laughs> why would I take that? Like yeah. may loss, may cause loss of limbs plus yeah. like suicidal thoughts. But yeah, I just, I noticed that I think even in myself, like with like OCD or something, like a lot of issues that people, especially our age, have right now are like constant, constantly like. In, within your own head, you're kind of manifesting problems where there aren't any. And someone – like someone who is bipolar or has these problems that are mental illnesses and diagnosed as such from genetics and birth or whatever it may be, those are things that they have to work on and and live with rather than – some people just drive themselves to a point of Yeah. I mean, when it comes down to like bipolar, I have a friend who's bipolar. Yeah. That's like a chemical thing Imbalance. in him. And totally. the the lithium that he takes is a way to reach that balance. Right. And I've actually been with him at times where he's decided whether I knew it or not, eventually I would find out I was living with him in college when he went through his kind of manic phase which is when we found out that he was bipolar right but it was because he stopped taking lithium yeah and then he wasn't sleeping and he goes through this it's kind like of cycle a... but seeing that i was like okay he has to take lithium like yeah. it's not a choice and he, and if he goes off of it it's actually it's almost like as if he had some disease physical disease that he had to take medication in yeah. order to counterbalance that like as if he had diabetes and he needs the you know right. insulin shot every day so i look at it like that especially with bipolar I don't know any schizophrenics or anything like that, but that's like you need to take that in order right. to find that balance. If it's something like anxiety or depression, I still think it's it's clinical and, and totally. it should be addressed, especially if you're like, you know. And that's where there's like such a fine line because some people def- – there's definitely a group who abuse medication and oh, that don't need it. Like a large group. A huge group. I mean, and then, I mean, there's like an, the opioid epidemic right yeah. now. It's insane. So – it's there's such a fine line and that I think that's why it makes getting help so difficult because like everyone throws around the word anxiety like it's just because everyone feels feelings of being anxious at some point in their life whether they like are clinically diagnosed as being anxious or having panic attacks regularly well, for someone to say that they don't have anxiety, it's like literally in us, uh, in our makeup. It's one of it's, the it's, emotions. It's fight or flight. It's <laughs> right. like, I mean, the original anxiety is like, am I going to survive today? Right. And if there's a threat, you're anxious it, about the, th- you know, it's like. 100% it's human us. nature. Um, it's just a matter of some of us get have more, get triggered by different things. We all get totally. triggered by different things. But some of us have more Triggered. of that in us. <laughs> like some people operate every day highly anxious. And, totally. And. Some people are just triggered by things throughout the day or throughout the week, or it could be one thing, it could be ten things, and right. Um, and I think getting like getting help for it, it's so it's such an interesting thing in doing all of this research that because there are so many forms of anxiety and so many forms of depression, and depression and anxiety kind of like almost go hand in hand at times. Like one can lead to another, and that kind of thing. And it's interesting. It's it's really hard to medicate someone or diagnose them and give them the right medicine 
when everyone's patterns of having these things are so different and you kind of have to find what works for you. And that's why some people like loved meditation and Mm -hmm. working out or yoga and that kind of thing. Because like, and like, I think that's why CBD has become such a big thing too, because it's sort of a a, a holistic way of taking the edge off, I guess. But yeah, I've never tried CBD and now it's becoming like a new trend. Yeah. Actually, there was a place, there was a restaurant I was at that they had, you could put like CBD in your coffee. Yeah. It's everywhere now. It's insane. I personally have you tried it? I do I have. I personally like it. I think there are so many different brands now that you can kind of um you can play around with it. Like and they, they have like gummies. Gummies, and like, chocolate. Yeah. They have vape pens now, everything. Yeah. Um yeah, I just bought some the other day. I think it's a nice alternative to taking a Xanax mm-hmm. and which is highly addictive and as great as Xanax is when you have having an anxiety attack it's it's not always the best choice and i think people think they just need one when they're feeling a little anxious it's essentially for serious anxiety yeah, attacks yeah. and not just when you're not for like when you're feeling stressed right? yeah. like that's what i think the problem is is people they go from oh that feels great to not feel anxious in that moment right oh, well, I'm emotional here for a different reason. Let me take a Xanax because I don't – and then I think people get so numb right. that they remove themselves from being aware of any feelings. Right. right. You know, it's like, totally. You don't want to like numb those feelings. You want to be no. aware of them when they're yeah. happening and then be able to figure out what you can do. But that's why therapy is so important. It's like – and I'm not entirely anti-drug, particularly talking no. about the situations we talked about. But my whole thing is like if I have a problem, there's no – Unless it was like a serious clinical problem. There's no drug that's going to take care of that. It's just going to kind of get me around what I actually have to address. And that's why I love being in therapy and being able to talk to someone because you're actually able to bring up the things. Yeah. And analyze it and talk about it instead of kind of numb it and yeah. and like shutting it up for for a period of time. Even like coming. being on medicine, like I'm on medicine. So I I – talk to my therapist about how that Even makes talking me feel. About that, yeah. yeah. Even having a dialogue about the how, the medication. Right. But, you know, I think especially the people that are getting it like from their friends or, you know, yeah. not necessarily from a professional or a someone who's uh, prescribing it to them. That's where I think the issue is because they're just totally and like, oh. I mean, if there was more conversation about this and more help and more education on it, I think – there would be less of this like weird drug trade going on where and like, especially with like opioids or Xanax or this and that. Like there's so much yeah. black market drug dealing happening all the time that it if it was if this was talked about as like being an okay thing, then I think that's why C B D has totally taken off because it's legal and people find it cool because it's essentially tied to weed. So people mm-hmm. like want don't mind that kind of association with it but people take xanax like secretly mm-hmm. all the time because yeah. they don't want that stigma held like, held to them but it, it's also it's just dangerous not to know what you're taking especially knowing where it comes from like it's easier to just go get help and then find the right amount that will actually keep you the same person without changing your personality because that happens a lot too if you yeah. abuse these drugs. So it's really interesting how that works. But yeah, I found that 
especially going to therapy, it does make you more self-aware on how you work and how you function and all of the things in your life that make you into the person that you are. And being able to take that and and finding ways to to help yourself. Also, it's like like if you hate your job or something and it makes you miserable every day and gives you anxiety and like you – you don't feel comfortable going to work every day. Like you need to quit your job and go find yeah. something else to do. Like, yeah. The, I I realized also because I, I mean I loved I loved what I was doing when I had my accident. It was it was good for me at the time, but in in being there for almost two years and then leaving and having this totally different schedule, I couldn't really be on a computer every day and all of that. But I was weirdly happier even though i was going through so much crap. well you, you also and i know that you were saving the social media discussion for another episode but you also went kind of dark on instagram oh, and right totally yeah six and, months so what was that like i personally loved it i had no desire to be on social media and in fact like taking i think it had to do with a lot with like the ocd and all of this but i found that i was using social media in a in the in the wrong way that people yeah people tend to do and I think that's it's sort of it's just like it it can be really bad for your mental health I mean like my phone case social media seriously harms your mental health from um this cool company but it looks like the surgeon general's warning in case (laughs) you guys are wondering (laughs) it's Um, very cool um I think it's urban sophisticate who makes it but yeah so I I found that it really does they really do it really messes up your mental health. You compare yourself to people. I also had been modeling for like three years prior to getting this Mm -hmm. job. So as a model in New York with like the most beautiful women in New York, you constantly look at yourself totally differently. And I, I guess that's where the, like the high functioning OCD comes into. And then the not so high functioning OCD comes (laughs) into when I was, comes into play and I was just like, oh, why don't I look like this person? Or if I looked like this, I would probably get this job and this and that. And it was just like it put me in like a really dark place where you'd spend like hours looking at other people instead of living your own life. And I just didn't want to even – I didn't want to be associated with it at all. So I just cut myself off from it and I had no desire to be on. I found that I was like – I mean I'm back on now and I – I'm, I love it. I think it's like yeah, because you you can now have the perspective and the ability to know how it affects you and what, right. you, what you get out of it. And, and if you, I'm not on it, it's not the end of the world. It's right. like it's not. It's a great. It can be a great place if used properly. Totally. I mean, and, it's it's ultimately yeah. a way to manage your personal brand. Totally. Everybody has their own personal brand now. Like yeah. no matter what or how you look at it, if you think of it as your your personal profile, you're projecting an image of yourself that you want the world to see or right. your followers to see. And it's never completely real. No. Like no one ever totally posts. Fabricated. I mean, not no one. I think people who are aware of it make a point to post like the truth, the true part of themselves. But majority of people certainly, they they're, wanna, never, they're never putting the bad side of they themselves. They put the best. You know, you're not going to post about how you're so miserable about whatever's going on. You're going right. to post like how you're doing so great. They and, try to pit painted as this like picture of positivity yeah. in a lot of ways and no one sees like the other side of the camera like no. i think especially before stories on instagram came out no one really saw that whole side of 
you know, everyone's day to day that wasn't like parti- like meticulously Pristine. planned yeah content filtered right and touched up touched and... up and i think uh, no one and even so like these people could look like they're having the best time or living their best lives and all of these things in best clothes but they could have miserable lives and no one knows and yeah. they could have all of these issues and that's why i have a bunch of people coming on to the show coming from like different industries yeah. One of the, one of which is my best friend who has a blog and she talks about how she's she's been suffering with anxiety for a couple of years now and she's a couple of years into her blog as well and and it's interesting because from the outside she seems completely put together and and there are times where she's totally not. So it's it's going to be interesting to find out these people who who you would least expect to yeah. have these issues just totally be raw and real on this show and like really talk about what's been bothering them and what they've been struggling with their whole lives. That's why I think it's been, I mean, even though there has been a rise in celebrity suicides or prominent suicides or suicide in general, I think people who are in the spotlight, athletes, celebrities, um, being able to openly discuss their mental health issues like i for one person that comes to mind is kevin love who came out in like the middle of last season saying that he had uh he sees a therapist and he takes medication he has mental health issues and it's like oh you would never be able to tell by looking at the guy you can't tell by looking at anyone because it's not a physical it's not a physical i mean unless it's like you're really anxious and you're like red in the face or like whatever you're breaking out but like for the most part you could look i could look at you and have no idea where you're what's happening on the inside no one has any idea and I think people just talking about it, uh, you know, or bringing it up right. in public discussion is is huge because there's and not it, it gets rid of the stigma. And if I'm a fan of the Cavs and I'm a fan of Kevin Love, and he says he has mental health issues, and maybe I have that, but I've never and talked you're about like, it. Oh my it's god! Like, oh, if he has it, then it makes me feel less weird about it. Yeah, him. totally. It's like these celebrities, like Selena Gomez, has come out about it. And yeah, she's always been very vocal. About yeah, it and. Um, and- like even Ariana Grande's whole album now is talking mm-hmm. about different anxiety. Every song is like related to some sort of yeah issue and all of that. And I, I like highly respected Pete Davidson when he came out talking about his borderline personality disorder because that's like a major thing that people do not understand. Yeah. And I, I even I was I was on Instagram a couple weeks ago and saw some poll come up on on someone's story about how it was like on dating and whether you would date someone who is bipolar. And the majority of people said no. And I was sort of shocked by it because if you're taking your medicine every day, like you wouldn't know someone was. And like, it's just like if you have, you know, high blood pressure, like you're going to take medicine and then you won't know. You won't have problems with like your heart if you have heart problems, if you take your medicine. Exactly. And that's why like, in in those cases, like taking medicine can be the the difference between life or death, or yeah, or being like totally happy and like fulfilled as a person versus completely shut down and confused as to what's going on. And that's why it's so interesting when these people come out. And it is like the one percent you see on social media of these people like spreading awareness. But there there's this whole part of America and the whole part of the world who just don't talk about it. And it's so right. taboo to like have these problems. And 
a lot of it's just like the lack of education in their schools on what these things even are. Mm-hmm. And like you, you go to a sex ed class, they should have these health classes on mental health because the kids have no idea what they're they're going through. And it is like if someone says like, "Oh, they're bipolar," and we you see like TV shows growing up that you've watched and. It was always like – Well, they portray the bipolar as like crazy, off the rails. I mean uh, the prominent character I can think of is Carrie Matheson in in, uh, Homeland. Yeah. Claire Danes, she plays bipolar and and I think it's actually an accurate portrayal because it's when she goes off her meds. Right. And then she thinks she has like a heightened sense of what's going on, which is exactly what happens to my understanding when you're having a manic episode. Right. But – I think because of that, people see like the extreme. Totally. And that informs a stereotype of like – and I think that's where that comes from. If people are saying like, oh, would you ever date someone who's bipolar? If you were told up front, even before you met the person, like, oh, before you go on this date, that person's bipolar. Like you think – People who aren't – don't know what that means or what that is. They're going to be like, oh, that's a crazy person. I'm not going to Right. You're like, I'm not going down that road. But like – Whereas if you found out – and I use the diabetic example again. But like if you found out date three that the person you're seeing who you're really into has diabetes, you're not going to be like, oh, fuck that person. I'm never going to see that person again. You're going to be like, oh, okay. Like you take care of it and, and you know, it's something that you need to keep an eye on. But like you exactly. seem to be doing well and you manage it. And it's, it's the same thing with, with bipolar with any – not any but yeah, with most – Most yeah. of these I would say like severe illnesses. cases. It's like, oh, OK. You know, that's something that, you know, if you're talking about like a severe schizophrenic. Right. Knows, I mean know, in, in those that, cases, but. it's like you're most likely like – I don't even know. Right. I've never met anyone right. like that. They're and probably be, in, it would be great to have someone like that on my show because I would be really interested to hear their stories. But it's just like it's – there is this whole stigma and it it kind of baffled me. And I guess – I mean, you know, we've all done it, probably judge people based on like you go – kids are mean in school. You know, like you grow up and, and someone's different and you're mean to them and and it's sort of like – Anything that doesn't feel normal to people or something out there, like, people just reject it. It's like an automatic thing. And I think, you know, we, like, work in kind of a creative field and, you know, art, fashion, acting, comedy, whatever it is. Like, you kind of see people's emotions a little bit more rawly. And I think maybe we're just more accepting of it in some ways just because – it almost can be like this great thing that sets someone apart from someone else because especially if they're treating it and use it to their advantage. Like my old therapist used to say that she thinks people with ADHD or ADD are brilliant and geniuses because they can use their brains in ways that other people can't. Yeah. So it's interesting that like you people use it as such a negative when it can really actually be like something to enhance you if yeah. you know how to deal with it. Well, it goes back to the social media thing and, and you know, everybody's so busy kind of fitting the norm or what they think they should be or do or look like. Right. But really what it comes down to is like we're all different and we should embrace what makes us who we are. Exactly. And promote that instead of <laughs> this version that we think the world would accept. Right. And I think it's harder now because we both went to high school together, but yeah. like social media wasn't and it's – we went to a private school in the middle of nowhere where there wasn't any service. But like aside from that, even if we were at a different school where there was service, like iPhones weren't a thing yet. No. And Instagram. social media wasn't a thing. We had Facebook, like an early version of that, which was fun and exciting. But other yeah, than that, I remember like, getting my first iPhone in, in high school 
but there was like nothing on it but games and like yeah, there was no there was no none of these social apps where there wasn't all this immediacy and no imagine and I, now like i just saw this movie called eighth grade have you heard about it i have heard about it it's i haven't seen amazing. it yet though uh, looks good bo burnham who's like a youtube comic he started on youtube he wrote and directed it and it's incredible. It's about this girl in eighth grade and how it's like contemporary, you know, it's like as if it's this year. And it's ha- all about how social media affects how she interacts with everyone around her right. and how she feels about herself. Right. And she does this blog where she puts this like version of herself out there. And really she's deep down insecure and afraid and going through changes just like any eighth grade yeah. girl would. But it's all about how she learns to embrace being who she is and, right. and being herself. And I thought it was really beautiful and, and well done. Um, but it, it scared me a little bit because <laughs> looking at in eighth grade how social media affects – it was like a real look into how it is for someone at that age now with social media. Right, which is kind of scary. It's like it's starting it's so much insane. younger. Like I, I have babysat kids who are one and two years old who have iPads and well, I – That's crazy. And the, screen, <laughs> the whole screen thing like kids are introduced to screens at such a young age. And, like, we've all been at the restaurant where you look right. at, like, the family dinner and there's just kids, like, on iPads, not right. talking, not And I get it. It's easier to – It's easier keep... for a parent to do that and be like, oh, you're, you're crying here. Take this. Right. So we can't actually address – but if it's happening then, imagine years down the line. Right. It's like... And, again, like, it is interesting. It is sort of a catch-22 because these kids do have access to a lot of information that we didn't as kids that they could really expand their – well, and Horizons. also they're being introduced to, to concepts and that, like, they're, they're going to be way more technologically savvy than we even were. Right. Even like, are. the fact and that they can open the iPad yeah. at that, like, a one-year-old can open the iPad and go into, like, the kid's YouTube channel is baffling to me. Yeah. I don't think I was able to do that. I mean, it's, it is interesting. Like, you do, can, you can get, like, educational programs through this that these kids can absorb, but the, it's just, it's, it's hard because it's. You know, you want them to be kids still and run around outside and be active. And I think kids love doing that too, but it's just it's just different than it used it's to be. It's totally different. And I think kids now are more interested in playing Fortnite than going out and like <laughs> Yeah. That's a whole other thing. But yeah, it's it's wild and I think we're at this weird place where maybe there's more awareness than there's ever been. Yeah. But at the same time there still is that stigma. And I think I think a lot of people especially through social media, pretend – put on this, like, facade almost that they understand everyone's feelings on everything. Like, uh-huh. I – That's interesting. I, I don't know. I just feel sometimes – Like false awareness? Yeah. Almost like – like, they'll repost something when, like, Kate Spade committed suicide. Someone right. reposts like R.I.P. Kate Spade, like suicide awareness hotline, and people do a lot of these things without actually knowing what the hell they're doing. Like they. Well, that's also a way to get <laughs> likes or uh, response on social media. In right. a way, it's almost like it's another way of fitting in. Essentially, it's like, oh, this yeah. person is talking about this mental health, so I should be talking about this mental health yeah. just because, like, even if they have no association with it and that's fine i think it's great to spread awareness on like anything regarding mental health especially actually only if it's in a positive way but i i just find like it social media is such an easy place to just be a follower and Mm -hmm. not just do things that you actually believe in just do them because you think you're supposed to and and 
I noticed that those like suicide things were popping up like crazy. And especially even after like the school shootings and all of that, most people are just talking about like gun control and this and that. And while like what I, I politics aside, I think the biggest issue surrounding all of these major school shootings and everything is the fact that like that person who is shooting up a school is not is not healthy no i mean they talked about um the shooter from sandy hook there were signs like up to a year beforehand by specialist uh therapists people at the school that said something's wrong here yeah specifically talked to the parents and the parents didn't acknowledge it right you think about that and it sucks because it could have been prevented or addressed before what happened happened. Right. But and you know, after something like that happens, the news just like dissects every single they, thing that this person's been through in their life. Right. And like then you see all these signs, like uh, like the kids are like, oh well, they've been posting pictures of machine guns on their Instagram for right. for weeks now, and no one said anything. And it's just like it's this weird denial that people are in that like you think. Like there are people who are crying. That's like a cry for attention. But also people are people are looking for whenever anything like that happens. And now it just happens so much that it's actually not like this anymore. But like back when Columbine happened and it was like the first – not the first but it was a big – Such a major one. Major one. You know, people pointed at, oh, they played this video game or they watched this movie or they did this and that's why they did this. Right. Because the, the violence in the video game. Or the like, don't try movies. this at home, kids. But like, ultimately, that's just a way for people to point at something and, and, and be like, that's why it happened. If when they put the blame, reality is it's way more complicated than that. It's and, totally. And it should be addressed in a totally different way, different way. And, you know, that was a long time ago. But I think now, more so than ever, it's about realizing why understanding why this happened and 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 what that person was going through or what how it could have been changed and it is hard because you know again kids are really rough when you're growing up like they are easy to judge they're really like clicky like they can be really mean but they don't even understand why and they're just trying to you know fit in as well so it's like it is hard because when something happens in school especially like you know you're growing up your hormones are changing, like you're going through puberty, all of these weird things are happening to you and and your brain changes as you get older. Like you're you're developing in a different way. Mm-hmm. And and some people may start off feeling totally okay with themselves and then one day like there's a switch and something changes and you just don't feel like yourself anymore. You just you could be like totally angry. Whatever it is, there's just not enough like welcome in a school I mean I'm even thinking back to like when I was in public school even Mm -hmm. private school there's just not enough like guidance that will show you that hey it's okay my door is open if you need to come talk to me but also like maybe almost make it a requirement too did did we even have I'm trying to think back I can't did we have like a therapist on staff like was there anyone if if I feel like the school nurse became my therapist. I don't know. <laughs> but like I don't remember ever having anyone like if you're going through something, you talk to this person. We had advisors, which right. would help with, with like academics and stuff. But like I don't think there was anyone like that. Yeah. It's, I wonder it's, how it is now because there is more awareness now. I wonder if there's like staff. But and then like, it's all about like what are is are these staff is this staff like actually qualified to give right. the right help and advice for these kids? Like is are they 
are they doing the the steps that they need to be doing in order to prevent these things from happening because they need to notice when there is an issue if someone's not acting right like before it happens you have to prevent it and like we said like you don't have to have a mental illness to get mental health help so i don't see what the problem with you know making you gym class as a requirement why not have yeah. like a therapy session as a requirement in school like yeah. i think things like that just or or support groups and talking like they have yeah. clubs in school but Every kid just, like, wants to fit in, and when they don't feel like they fit in, there's going to be some sort of imbalance in the way yeah. that they interact with everyone else. And it's it's interesting. Like, I think it's also hard when you grow up in a household or something where you you don't feel like you can talk to, like, your siblings or your parents. Like, I was fortunate enough to be able to tell, tell my mom everything. Mm-hmm. And and maybe it's because she has is a nurse and has been in the health field that she kind of gets it in a different way but some parents just they don't even know how to deal with their own mental right. state that it's like how do i guide my child who's going through this horrible thing and or getting bullied and this and that and then and all you can tell them is like oh it's going to be okay but maybe you don't even have the financial means to help them so yeah. i think that's like essentially from this podcast, I want to be able to bring these people on. And full disclosure, I am not trying to diagnose anyone. I just <laughs> I am not a doctor. I am not certified in anything but CPR. <laughs> I I'm not trying to put I'm not trying to pretend like I know everything of what I'm talking about. Like I only know as much as I've researched and research is only research. So mm-hmm. I'm giving opinions, but I essentially just want to have these people on to to hear their side of the story. So, I mean, anyone is going to be able to reach out to me who wants to come on and talk about what they're going through and give their insight. That'd be great. And I, I want to have, like, health professionals on as well because I think it'd be – a podcast is a great way to reach a ton of people and educate them on what's going on and a lot of things that people don't know about and – just even people I have a couple friends like who work in the like the drug development world. I don't even know if I'm saying that mm-hmm. correctly. Like pharmaceutical. Like pharmaceutical companies mm-hmm. who are creating drugs for things like Alzheimer's and this and that who are kind of on a totally other end of things than everyone else. Um yeah. but yeah. It'd be interesting I, to hear that side that yeah. perspective too. Because I mean their business is their business is medicine and yeah. you want it to work. And yeah. when it doesn't. You also want it to sell. Right. Yeah. So it's totally different. It's really interesting. And there's oh, yeah. like so many steps to it. But um, yeah, I think this is such a good platform to be able to have people come on and comfortably talk about whatever the hell they want to talk about. Like yeah. they can. And it doesn't, I mean, just the fact that we're talking about it. And, yeah. and like you said, like we're not professionals. We're no. not experts. We're just going through the journey of trying to figure this stuff out as right. we go. And it's interesting. I was recently trolled on Instagram you when I started, when I put out my podcast, like announced that I was doing this. Someone under some name that had no followers, like complete random person who I may or may not know. I still don't know. But uh-huh. they reached out to me and they were like, you should try working on your own mental health before advising anyone else on theirs. And all of these like horrible things. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a second. Like I'm not in any way 
trying to tell people that they should be doing anything that they don't want to be doing. Right. I'm just trying to – and I'm not by any means saying I'm perfect either. Like I I am I have my issues and that's essentially why I came up with this idea. Yeah. Because a lot of people that – even talking to my therapist originally, she was like, you – come off as someone who does not have these problems but yeah, exactly. you you feel these ways and you hide them and or you just deal with them whatever it is but this person was like I, it was she was like a she or he I don't know who it was attacking my character essentially and I was like you know what I'm only trying to do good with this podcast I'm not trying to make anyone feel less than or like or anything like that or tell people that they should stop this or do this or that. Like I have – everyone's entitled to their own opinions mm-hmm. and that's essentially like – And you're also just trying – you're not saying you're perfect or that you've figured everything out or that – Right. You, I'm you going know, I'm going with the You're acknowledging that you're going through it. Right. And so it's And like, I found things that have worked for me in helping my own mental health and I'm not like – and you're also not saying that you're completely fixed, like right. I'm not, or that you're. I don't even think that's like a thing. I don't no, think anyone's I actually ever going to be. Think, I, that's why I think it's crazy when people say like, "Oh, I did therapy," and I like as if they graduated. Like, right. oh, I got my degree in therapy. Right, like, it's like, like being. It's like myself. being. It's like being sober. Like you're sober for yeah, life. Yeah. You're not. I think there's always going to be stuff that you, that you're going to be working on, and um, I, I get I get taking breaks. Like I get I can see myself getting to a point where it's like, all right, I'm maybe I won't do therapy for like a couple months and see right. where I'm at, but. I can't imagine just being like, oh, I'm healed. If you're able to mentally work out through things on your own that your therapist was prior able to do for you, then that's great. But yeah, I was totally taken aback by it. And then then I blocked them and I was sort of like, maybe you should be considering helping your own self if you're the type of person who's going to troll someone on Instagram that you don't know. Um, Well, that's a whole other thing is the trolls and and dealing with people who are hiding. Right. And I, I... Will say, I was very overly sensitive about it, and I should have never responded and just blocked the person right away. And I, moving forward, which I'm sure I'm going to get haters because they're everywhere, so I'm just going to ignore I mean, you guys. If you but, don't have haters, you're doing something wrong. That's what I was saying. Right. I like, mean, exactly. And I, I tried to like think about like what what other people think about you is none of your business, and all that matters is what you think about yourself. So I. Have, boom. Boom. Put mic, that on a shirt. Mic drop. <laughs> I've been trying to like put that in my head a lot lately, especially like, you know, this is I'm not I'm not really an emotional person either. Like I've I've I'm I would say that I'm I'm sort of someone who you wouldn't really hear that much about me from about like my own life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not that I'm sort of private in certain ways. So I yeah, so I I think like this is like a scary thing to be able to sit down and talk about like your own problems and that's why I want to I want people to know that like I'm right there with them. Like I'm not yeah. judging at all and I'm like going well, through the same things. And even if you don't understand it, that's the thing for me. It's like I found out that I'm I'm actually very sensitive and, and I am an emotional person, but I'm not entirely aware of those emotions at times or how to process it. And if you were on the outside looking in, I've been told like, I'm a very hard person to read because like, I kind of keep it even keeled, but enigma, as I've been told, (laughs) you're an enigma. It's just because I don't wear. Well, it's just because we're not, 
We're not outwardly emotional. It doesn't mean we're not sensitive on the inside. Right, and exactly. And that kind of thing. And I've found in therapy it's about just talking about that. Yeah. And just gaining a better understanding. And I'm I'm better at it, but I, I haven't reached a point where I'm like totally able to know how to express or even feel what I'm feeling at times. Right. You know? Especially with, with when it comes to like relationships and different people that you meet, like – they bring out different things in you that you just didn't oh, totally. notice totally. before. Yeah. And you're just like, whoa, I'm really like vulnerable now. And I've yeah. never felt that before. No, you can be triggered by anything. And certainly yeah. that is definitely a trigger. But the idea of, for me, it was this idea of like kind of putting myself out there. And I think for so long, particularly in high school, I was like very afraid of being judged yeah. And being rejected for doing what I, you know, whatever I wanted to do. Yeah. And whether it was like, I remember being in high school and being like, oh, we'd be at like the school meetings and there'd be like a musical performance. And I'd be like, oh, I kind of wish I was on stage performing right now. Yeah. It was way easier for me to if sit. If you guys don't know Jack Leary, he is a very talented <laughs> musician. So look out for that, his but, music. But I, it was way easier for me to sit in the audience and just be like one of the crowd. It's so much easier being on the sidelines. Be on the stage and be like, you know, really taking a risk to do the thing that I wanted to do. Right. And so that's kind of what I found through therapy. That's why I felt stuck was like, okay, I don't want to go 10 years down the line and be like, I wish I had done this, this, and this because I just played it safe the whole time. Right. And never, and that's like what would have happened essentially if I went down the path that I was Without on. risk, there's no reward. Yeah. So, so as think- my mom says, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. <laughs> So I try to be like you try I you know if you want something ask because the worst thing that can happen is they say no and exactly. then you just move on with your life. But yeah. if you want to go for something go for something like the only reason people are successful is because they tried. So Yeah. Yeah. And failed. And failed. Times. And that's fine. Yeah. I mean, I could fail. It doesn't mean I'm not going to keep trying to No, as long as you talk learn about from this. it. Yeah. You know, I think People that make the same mistakes over I will over keep again. putting out episodes even if I have no listeners. Yeah, so. no, no, it'll stick. You keep throwing something at the wall, it's going to stick. So. Right. And I um, think, like, it is interesting. I do feel, even knowing you from after your – I've known you since high school. <laughs> but it, then we, like, didn't see each other. For almost 10 years. For almost 10 years. Yeah. And then afterwards, you're, like, a different person today than you were yeah. when I first saw you last year. Two totally. summers ago or something. Yeah. Oh, even from then? Yeah. Totally. You were, uh, like, very confused, I would say. <laughs> I mean, you just got out of this eight-year relationship. I can't even imagine yeah. what that's like. But yeah. It was an identity crisis a little bit. Because it was yeah. like, I didn't, know, I didn't know who I was not in a relationship. Right. You don't know how to be alone. I didn't know how to be alone. I didn't know really what I – I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know how to do it. Um, and – it was definitely a weird, confusing time. But, yeah. like, if I didn't have therapy and I didn't have someone to really work on all that stuff with or at least just express that I'm going through that yeah. stuff, I found that I was actually one of those people that was, like, leaning too hard on my friends. Like, yeah. Like, one of the biggest reliefs is, like, being able to hang out with the people around you, and not- whether it's friends or family, and not carry the weight of, like, everything right. that you're carrying and put it on them or, like, try to put it on them i mean you see so many people that go out with their friends and drink and then end up oh. crying at the end of the night because they have all of these things going on in their life yeah, that and they, they don't know can't how to do handle it. and i've had moments like that where i'm the person that the person's leaning on and it's fine i'm happy to be that person but but it's like it, if you if you figured this out 
through talking to a therapist earlier. Yeah. I never have come out of therapy more upset than I was when I came in. Like I'm mm-hmm. always happier yeah. and always more self-aware and kind of like approach things the day differently. So mm-hmm. it's it's even even if you like don't have time to go see your therapist, like talking to them on the phone, Skyping, whatever it is. But having someone you and I don't recommend it always being your friend. I think it's great when your friends can help you, but it is hard to, you know, things happen with friends that like they friendships fall apart for whatever reason, and it's hard to um, keep all of your personal. No, I'm not saying things out there for look. Your if you're friends. if you have if you have a close friend, of course you're going to talk about things that everybody's going to talk about things that are bothering them or or deeper things. But I think it could just it could strain the relationship if totally. all you're ever doing is like, oh, I have this issue and I have this and yeah. that and this and that. And I, I think it's great if this person like you're confiding and like has gone through what you've gone through. So totally. that's why you're reaching out, and that's amazing. But there is a time and a place. So when you're going out and wanting to have fun and you end up getting pulled aside or alcohol, which I don't really drink for anyone who doesn't know me, um, I have been on that other end when my friends will just sort of everything comes out when they drink because mm-hmm. it's a depressant and you're really feeling loose and you just feel like well, you need it, to yeah, cry. Yeah, it's, it's a form of <laughs> – Kind of therapy in and of itself, like right. them being able to get to a point where they can open up like that. Right. So, um, But it's not being able to do it without that. Exactly. You know? um, yeah. So I've noticed like that. I think that's why, yeah, as as many like funny stories as can come out of like going out and getting drunk and having all of these crazy things happen to you. I think if people learn to like deal with their problems in a healthy way – then they wouldn't feel even the need to like have these crutches yeah. for to get through the week. Mm-hmm. Like I have some friends who are like, I need a glass of wine right. after my long day. And I get it. Right. It There's takes self, the edge off. It's, it's great. Self-medication. It's the same thing that we're talking about with Xanax or whatever right. it is when you just want to numb the Whatever. Feeling, it's you know. just another form of yeah. Or just, or just get – in the case of drinking, it's really about just getting yourself to a point where you feel more comfortable – opening up or right talking about the like this a and lot of people too comfortable you know oh but, totally but like yeah. a lot of people have you know some people are totally more fun when they're drinking and they can't mm-hmm. go out and socialize without having alcohol and right and i've never understood that to the full extent i do understand it in being that i have been out literally all night before completely sober with friends who are totally yeah. wasted <laughs> the and other I, night. <laughs> yeah the other night and i'm the only one dancing but yeah. It's interesting because you see how people change their mm. personalities so instantaneously once it, you know they're drunk. Yeah. And it's like – And that's probably a case of that person has social anxiety. Like, right. Exactly. Um, someone who feels like – They don't have enough to bring to the table right, without – Right. Or when feeling – like, They're like nervous to open up or yeah. if they're on a date. I mean why do you think so many dates sun- center around going to get a drink? Well, yeah. Like, it's an icebreaker and that's fine. Like yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing. Um. It's just there's there is a there's a place where it's totally normal and then there's a place where it's like almost it's a red flag to me if someone is totally different than they are mm-hmm. when they're drunk to it's like if it doesn't add to your personality and make you like more fun like right. than the already fun person you were yeah 
it could totally bring out a, an angry side too. Oh, so yeah. it's that's just why you have angry drunks. You have right. Like, I mean, and I'm I still do drink occasionally. I'm not like oh, sober yeah. I'm or anti drink. I'm right. If anything, I'm pro drink. Right. But, like, but there's that's a whole other thing. Like, it you is have a to, whole. You have to be able to to. I think there's a way to like learn how to drink and learn how it affects you and be able to know how much you can handle. Yeah. But certainly, it can be a trigger and a. Uh, a form of self-medication if right if you're going through all those yeah things. i mean i find like some of my friends really bottle things up and yeah. then when they drink it just all comes out and like they're really confrontational or they're oh, yeah. they're like and all these things that were bothering them well, from it's like, months ago just hit the fan and you're like holy shit yeah. i don't i didn't know that was bothering you until right now so it's like drunk words or sober thoughts it's always um, yeah. yeah it's weird but i mean if you're gonna have fun have fun, but it's it's another thing to to bring down the whole party. Yeah, um, well, and it's always like the next day you're like, okay, that weird thing happened last night. Do we talk about it with the person or do right. we? And you know that that person's like, oh, shit. Or doesn't remember. Or doesn't remember, but like <laughs> it's feeling a lot of guilt. And right. then it's just like, all right, maybe you should uh, get that yeah. worked out. Yeah, ta- let's talk, to talk about this like <laughs> – yeah. You know, for over coffee, not over drinks. Yeah, like, yeah. That's probably the best thing yeah. because, you know, it's – I get it. Like you drink and you kind of are able to tap into an emotion that you're maybe not able to mm-hmm. otherwise. But, yeah, there are definitely ways to um, work that out that's not going to ruin friendships. So Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well <laughs> – what time is it? How long okay. are we going? Oh, nice. Yeah, good time. Making good time. Um, yeah, I think I'm excited for this upcoming adventure, and thank you so much for helping me. Yeah, of I had, course. I had no idea what I was doing going into this, and um, it's going to be a fun adventure because it can really go in so many directions, and I'm really excited to have all of these really amazing people come on and talk to me about all of what they're going through, and... Um, yeah, I'm going to have a website set up soon and a whole email thing so people can, you know, directly contact me if they want to come on or have anything they want to talk about. So I think that's great. Hopefully yeah. you'll get a lot of people reaching out wanting to talk about yeah what they want to talk about and having people from different backgrounds, uh, different occupations, different perspectives totally. talk about it. I think we covered a lot of stuff, but it'll be cool as you go along to see you – focus more in on some of the things we talked about yeah, like, episodes like social media some more specific substance abuse or whatever it is yeah you know it's it's a wide net and it's there's no real answer for any of this it's right just about it's having no discussion. right or wrong necessarily it's just a matter of talking yeah about it so yeah i'm excited to see where it goes and i just all i want in the end is just to have people help feel connected and help each other and not feel judged for having these things and know that you can have like a really happy fulfilled life no matter what you're going through because it is the essentially like we said you break a tooth you go to the dentist you fix it mm-hmm. why not mm-hmm. go to therapy to fix if you're if your head hurts and you're right. feeling flustered and things like that it's a part of your body and it's one of the most essential parts of your body so why not yeah. make and it better? We're all only human and, exactly. and we're all <laughs> plagued with having consciousness and dealing with the things that we 
deal with in our heads. Yeah. And it's not a pro it's not like a bad thing to be ashamed of. It's just about being able to talk about it and yeah. work out work it out. So All right, cool. So this is Headcase and where you can find us on um Instagram right now at Headcase Podcast. So follow and look out for the next episode with our first guest. All right. Thank you. Bye.